This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hello, everybody. Did you know that you could support the Pencils and Lipstick podcasts and help it keep going into 2021 and beyond? We are over at patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick. You can find three different levels over there in which you can help keep the show going. Part of the structure of Patreon is that anyone who helps the creative keep going in their creativity get sort of these extra bonuses, these sort of thank yous for being a supporter of that artist or show or whatever it is. I have three different levels over on Patreon for the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. And going into 2021, I decided that I was going to take some time to go back and talk to some of the creatives that came on the show last year and get a little bit deeper about how they survived 2020, what their thoughts were, what they think 2021 will be like, and how they think art contributes to all of this stuff that's going on. So those conversations will not be coming out on the podcast, but they are going to be on Patreon um, behind the tiered walls over there. They are going to be trickling out fairly soon, like Next week, I'll start dropping the first ones. If you want to get to know the creatives a little bit more and hear a little bit more about their story and how they have handled what's going on in the world, head on over to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick and sign up today to help keep the show going. This week on the Pencils and Lipstick podcast, I have with me Deborah Brosseau. She is a communications and audience development specialist. She has been working in that field of PR and marketing for the arts and entertainment and lifestyle and the nonprofit sector for about 25 years. Originally from Chicago, she's lived in LA since 2000. She says she is a volunteer crisis counselor, obsessed with Houdini and Shakespeare, and is a lifelong Cubs fan. She and I talk a lot about what it means for a creative to develop their audience, to communicate properly what their brand is, and how she helps creatives do just that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. I am so excited to have Deborah Brousseau with me today. She is a communications and audience development specialist, which sounds very important. I'm very excited (laughs) to talk to you. How are you doing, Deborah? I'm doing great, Kat. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I was excited to get your email a few weeks ago. You contacted me to have on some very lovely ladies that have been on the show. Um, I was excited to talk to them. I think that uh, in the creative world, we need to have these different communications and connections to meet more people. Um, And so I wanted you to come on and talk to us because you work with a lot of creatives. I do. I'm very lucky to do that. Yes, because we're awesome. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a communication and audience development specialist? Sure. I grew up in uh, the Chicagoland area, and I uh, was very fortunate to have parents who encouraged reading and writing, and they were very much into music. Um, My dad was an editor for Billboard Publications, and my mother uh, sang and played piano, and they loved pop music and rock and classical and everything. Um, So actually, I thought that I could be in a band. Mm -hmm. Turns out I have like zero talent. I mean, I ran through every instrument you could possibly imagine. I cannot sing at all. I have a younger sister who, when I would bring a new instrument home, would just like pick it up and, you know, be playing a song in like two seconds. And I'd be like, where, I don't even know where my fingers go on this thing. (laughs) So I was like, okay, so this isn't going to work out. But I was so attracted to people who 
create things. So my affinity was for words and and communication. So I got on the school newspaper and did some, you know, creative writing. And I was also very fortunate to live in a Chicago suburb that had a bunch of nightclubs that let kids in. So, you know, as a teenager, I was going to see local bands in these clubs that had just, you know, zero age qualifications. We would actually like ride our bikes up there. And I started thinking about ways to get more people to come see these bands. And I kind of knew about like flyers and, and like things that you could do with the newspaper and advertising But, you know, I was like 15 years old, so it was very experimental. But these bands were like, well, you do it. We're not doing it. And and that stuck. I just didn't realize it was a job. Right. Um, And then when I got into college and got into the journalism program, there was a, you know, a, a PR portion of that. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, yeah, I can totally do that. So that's what I've been doing this whole time. Again, because I am so inspired and and moved by creative people, I've been really fortunate that those have been most of my clients for the past 25, 30 years, you know, obviously authors, um, musicians, dance companies, you know, theater companies, actors, athletes, you know, thought leaders. It's, it's, It's amazing to be able to, you know, work with people and understand how they filter the world through the work that they do. Right. And then figure out ways to like translate that for the the general public. It's, it's really, it's been an incredible opportunity. That's really cool. I like how you say you didn't know that it was a job in high school. I look back in high school and you like, literally you think there's teacher, lawyer, doctor, maybe store worker. (laughs) (laughs) And you have no idea that there are all these other jobs you can do. So many other jobs. Yeah. So did you, did you study PR or did you just do that sort of on the side while you did journalism? Um, I took, I wound up taking a communications major because I wanted to have as much, as much knowledge about a bunch of things Mm. as opposed to really targeting one thing because at the end of the day, and you will probably find this if you talk to most people who do PR is that we all think we're going to be journalists. Okay. And none of us knew how hard it is to break into journalism. And it's even harder now than it was then. So I had a journalism minor, but honestly, the the most important classes that I took in college uh, were psychology classes. Oh, that to me to this day has been more valuable than my actual communication studies because this is all. This is all psychology. Yeah. So communications, journalism, psychology. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of think we should all study psychology. I think we'd have a little more grace for people and ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's interesting that you think, was psychology mandatory or did you just do it because you were interested? Um, I've always been interested, um, you know, certain family dynamics, seeing things in my neighborhood. I think I knew early on that there is such a thing as mental unwellness. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not something uh, obviously that we talked about in school, but I think I just innately knew that this existed and it's problematic and it's sad. Um, I think I had to take like a psychology course in like, or I chose to take a psychology course in those like, um, Oh my God. I feel like college was so long ago now. Uh, and it was like the basic, you know, like, right. What do they call them? Your first couple of years, you have to take a bunch of basic oh, yeah, the electives I elect- think, or generals, something like that, something like that. So whatever, whatever that was, I took a couple psychology classes and I'm like, this is the goal. Like this impacts everything. Right. Um, that being said, it's also, it was also a little bit scary. I didn't see myself being able to translate that into a lifelong career. So I, you know, I took it as far as I could as a minor goes. And, you know, even then I kind of sometimes think, wow, I I really need to, obviously there's been so much more development in, you know, 
human mind body connection, you know, and I'd love to know more about all that. But yeah, I think that was really one of the most impactful and long-term impactful things that I did in school. That's really getting me to think because I, I really, the more you talk about it, it does seem to be the classes that would help almost everybody in anything. And it doesn't really matter what business you're in, but even, especially I would say for creatives, because you're trying to get, like you were saying, your heart and soul, we were talking about before, like you're putting this on paper or on canvas or in a dance or in music form. And then you have to somehow get it out to the the public or get people to enjoy it or, or pay for it. There's a whole lot of psychology going on between those things, both personally and in your relationship with the other people. And then in those people and their reactions to you, it would probably help us a lot to to read a few books, take a few courses. It, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to learn. I mean, it's, it's really the, 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 the study of how you and other people might be operating. It's just your operating system, you know, and a lot of people get attached to, and I find this, especially with musicians. Well, if I get mentally super healthy, I'm not going to, you know, that all that stuff that I need to create what I do isn't going to come up. And it's like, oh yeah, will, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like you're, you, there's a way that you can kind of still hold hands with some demons and, and issues that are important to you and challenges that you've had. It's just a matter of not self-destructing because then, right. You know, that's not great. So, because then it all stops at that point. yeah, Yeah. I mean, That's true though. A lot of creatives have that idea of like, I have to be depressed or I can't be happy to create. And we sort of catapult into, I like how you say mental unwellness. That sounds a whole lot better than mental illness. Mental illness sounds to me like, I always cringe when I say that, but it's a real thing. And we all deal with some aspect of it, but I like mental unwellness better. Well, I mean, hopeful. you know, that's, it, it taught, I mean, you saying that is just a reminder of how important language is. Mm-hmm. And I think we're learning a lot about how delicate communication is, especially this year when you're trying mm. to present um, really important information that might be fluid and you're tr- you need to get it to people who, you know, might be brilliant, but really resistant to other people's information. You might be having to translate it for people who, for whom English is a second language. And there's all of the people in the middle and, and you're one person on one platform and you've got to say one thing that is going to be able to impact all of those people. It's a really super delicate, that's true, super delicate thing, but it's, it's made me really aware of, there's a lot of words we have to choose from. Yes. And there's a reason why English is so complex and we have all those words is because the difference between the two might be microscopic and it may not even be the same difference for everyone, but you have choices in, in how you present things. And I, I mean, I don't think illness is a terrible word, but when I'm thinking about someone's mind, someone's brain, it that doesn't resonate as well for me as just saying I'm feeling mentally unwell right now. Yes. To me, unwell feels a little more hopeful. Yes, exactly. Like there could be an end to it, you know, and mm-hmm. that it doesn't affect the whole brain. Like I'm still functioning. I just need, yeah, you know, something. I yep. like that. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down and keep that in the back of my head. All but right. As we are creatives and you're talking about communication and how important it is. And I see in our society the inability to communicate, really. Like we've lost the eloquence and the desire to communicate properly to people. We kind of have lost that, like even the personal responsibility of what we are saying, because I think it takes time to think it out. Like, how do I want to properly tell you I disagree with you? Or I think this, or I think that. And so we just like word vomit. Or mm-hmm. we insult, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Or we just shut down, you know. So, as a person who's in the communicative field, how do you teach people? And let, you know, we don't even have to go into society, but even as you know, you have an artist or a musician, and they want they're communicating through their art, but you have to get it onto paper, and you have to communicate it to you know, you know, getting them on podcasts or on television and all that thing, all that stuff. So, how do you? 
help them understand that they, they might even need help in the communication on that end? I think the most concise way to filter that question is through the idea of do interviewing mm. the, the one-on-one with someone. And we do media training because it is, it's a skill set. And I will say that technology has absolutely had an impact on how we communicate verbally, how we think about how we communicate verbally. The immediacy of social networking has made us reactive instead of thoughtful, which is a really, the change happened fast, but it takes twice as long to break the habit. Mm. And the first thing is, is everybody needs to know that you do not have to be reactive and responsive. Like you do not have to immediately respond to everything. Take a breath. You know, you can take a minute. The world is not going to stop because your input was not given within 10 seconds of something. That's just not. Someone needs to hear that right now. (laughs) I mean, even, even in this, even in, in us talking, my pauses might be a little bit faster than someone else, but I've media trained myself, but I will not start talking until I quickly figure out where I'm going to be going with things, which may change midstream. But in order for me to feel confident and authentic and clear about what I'm saying, I need to take a breath before Mm -hmm. I respond to you. So that's one of the really important things about media training and communicating with the public right now is that you know, just because these platforms are encouraging you to be responsive, you can do that on your own time. It's very empowering to do that on your own time. Also saves a lot of problems for those times when you respond maybe emotionally and it's hard to dial that kind of stuff back. Right. The other thing is, I mean, it's a practice, you know, so I think you really kind of have to understand that the, the, the purpose is to be continuing to share yourself. When you're an artist, you're you're creating kind of a strange connection with people because they think they know you. They think they know where you're coming from based on the picture that you drew or the song that you wrote or the book that you wrote or whatever it is. Anything else other than that is a continuance of that connection. And you need to be able to articulate who you are and what you think and about your art in a certain way, unless you're going to be a recluse, Mm. you know, you're going to have to, at some point, talk to people about what you're doing. And that's hard. It's really hard. So, so we rehearse that we practice that and back to the psychology again, it takes a lot sometimes to work with a creative and try to, you know, pull, pull threads. You know, I've had clients who will get an email interview and their responses are like a sentence long. And I'm like, no, yeah, no, no, no. People deserve more than that from you. And this is an opportunity for you to, you know, share more of yourself and make that connection. Think right. about the question, you know? Right. Right. And it, it's all of this is definitely, you know, muscle building. Yes. I I like how you say you practice because really the more you practice something, the more comfortable you are. You know, I'm a year and a half into podcasting. I I can say the first six months I would stand up from my seat sweating (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I I wasn't used to it because it, I didn't practice beforehand, which I tend to jump in and I shouldn't do that. I'm trying to stop that, you know, but like, obviously the first six months was almost my practice and creatives do have a issue with communicating their thoughts outside of what their creativity is, even a writer. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to say what your book's about because you're so close to it. You're like, I don't know. They fall in love. Read the book, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear nicely developed answers. But I think the other problem too, is sometimes we start talking and then we give like our whole lives away and we need to know, you know, be trained to to, rein it in. Yep, yep. There's definitely a middle ground. And and it's scary. Here's the other thing. It's scary hmm. to to be outside of your comfort zone, how you normally feel like you're giving of yourself. And now you're being asked to give of yourself in a different way. It's super scary. Some people find it to be intrusive. Whatever. 
if you're turning, if you're, if you're not a hobbyist and what you're doing is going to be a business, Mm. you got to do this. Okay. You know, you just have to do this. So you've got to work through not only like the technical nuances of it, but the psychological, you know, what is it about this that's bothering you? Do you feel like it's an intrusion on your time? Do you feel like it's nobody's business? Do you feel like if you're talking instead of writing or drawing that you're going to come off stupid? Like, what is it that is, Mm. you know, not motivating you to, to give to this? And, And we have to work through that before we can do anything else, really. Yeah, it's kind of our hidden fears and they come mm-hmm. up. And and really what we want as creatives is to share our creativity with the world. But I like any other human, if a fear comes up and it's in your face, we just want to run away and hide. So, you know, being sure. asked to go on maybe live television or live radio interview or something like that might be like, oh, I can't, you know? So I love how you you dig deeper, like why? Because you can just mm-hmm. why do you think that you can't? So I was talking to you beforehand. I like we have a lot of communication going on in the world right now. Like you said, we have social media. If you want this not as a hobby, but as a business, you're constantly communicating on like five different platforms. Plus mm-hmm. you're doing your own work. Plus you, you know, once you get a work out there that you want people to know, you're trying to get on podcasts. So there's a lot of communication going on. So what do you see as the biggest struggle for people who maybe haven't had that media help with someone like you, what do you think that struggle, the biggest struggle that people have in social media, is it being reactive? Do you think, or is it something else? I think it's, I think it comes even before that. I think it's just time, Mm. you know, like they look at all of the things on the plate and are like, I don't know, you know, I got to feed the kids and walk the dog and, you know, go to the grocery store, you know, what, whatever the write some more, draw some more, whatever it is. And, and I think the perception is, is they, they look at maybe influencers and they're like, Oh, these people spend all dang day on this platform. I don't have time for that. So do I not do it because I can't be on it all day? Like what? And I get that because if you are especially if you're promoting a new work of art, you have to dedicate a good portion of your time for at least three months Mm. in trying to sell that. Okay. And And I think that's the three months before and after. Well, I, I mean, you know, campaigns, campaigns are really dependent on Mm. what the, what the project is. Three months to me is like the least amount of time that you can give yourself. The ideal is six, you know, because some things take at least three months to set up Mm. and sometimes two months to follow through. But if your resources are strapped, as most people's are, then I would say, you know, if you can in your head commit to three months for a project, start six weeks before the launch date or the drop date or the on sale date or whatever it is, and then work past that. Okay. But I think again, you know, the, 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 the initial struggle for people is how do I budget my time, let alone the money, but yes. how am I going to budget my time? Cause what if I don't have any money and I'm doing this all myself, then my resource is time. So how yep. do I, how do I do that with all of the different things that I have available? And it, it's a little bit of, what do I say? Like, let's say I'm a musician, but I'm on Instagram. Sure, you can post a couple videos of playing, but that will only go so far when, you know, the people are telling you to post seven times a day and you go, what? And you're like, what do I tell people? I mean, I'm thinking back to myself when I finally realized that, you know, I should take this seriously because apparently when you publish a book, no one knows, you know, it's like... (laughs) I don't know. It's like, does the, does the tree fall in the forest? Does it make a sound? (laughs) Your book doesn't make a sound when you press click. It's not like it doesn't rumble through people. They're like, okay, but what do, what do I say? You know, well, you talk, you know, you be transparent. You're like, uh, I made coffee. You know, (laughs) like, so I love how you're an audience development specialist because really a lot of our 
issue, or I'll, I'll just say my issue as I was learning this is like, you have to develop an audience. And that sounds like a really big task. Yeah. You know, so how do you even start? Do you just get on Instagram? You're like, hi, I'm here. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) You got to start. I mean, that's really the thing is you have to, again, you know, the first, the first thing that I always encourage people to do is like, get really real with yourself about what you're willing to commit to. Because to me, I don't care if you only choose one or two social platforms that you want to be on. You don't have to be on seven, but you have to consistently be on whatever you choose. Like that has to be a commitment. The kiss of death is when you start on something and then you're just like, forget it. And then somebody goes to your Instagram and you haven't updated in six months and they're like, she's dead. You know, like whatever (laughs) it is, like you can't, you know, you, you really, and I, and and I mean, like figuratively, it just, you know, like people will get the perception that this wasn't as important to you or you're off doing something else or whatever. I mean, that's the addiction model of social networking is that people get reliant on being able to, you know, connect with you in that way or get information from you on a regular basis. And regular does not have to mean 10 times a day. Okay. For you, regular could mean three times a week. I don't care. The algorithms are so screwed up on these platforms and you can get social media experts who can put together a program for for you based on what they know in that moment. But these platforms are changing things all the time. So that's why it's so difficult is if we're really honest about it, we don't know what the best, like, what is the best process for this? What is the kind of foundation baseline program that somebody could do? If you were just going to do this one thing on this one platform, what's the best way to do it? It's not the same for everybody and it's not going to be the same every week. So it's really a lot of, to me, you start, you just control what you can control. Okay. And then, you know, and then a lot of it is just experimental and you can, you know, shift from, from there. Um, But as far as like what you actually post or share, I mean, the answer is still kind of the same is it's, at least with my work, it's really dependent on the person in the project. Like we really do a lot of exploration about, you know, first of all, what is your, what is your business goal? But then what is your personal goal? Because all of this is when we say audience development, that's not just for one project. That's for your career. That's for your brand. So we're looking at the much bigger picture on, yeah, maybe you have this book to sell now, but you're going to have a book to sell next year or two years from now, or maybe you're going to do a podcast, or maybe you're going to start a blog or whatever it is. Or maybe you're just going to develop a great community of people that you really enjoy engaging with. Whatever it is, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture to start, and then you plug in your projects from there, which is why I say like, you know, well, three months is a bare minimum for promoting a project, for promoting yourself and your brand and your messaging, you've got to start immediately. Okay. And, and kind of just, you know, and that's going to be your ongoing baseline. And then you just kind of plug projects in specifically from there, but it's, you know, it's brand building and that is evergreen. Right. And I think that's, I was telling you before we started recording, like I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I was building a brand. I just couldn't put my finger on it for the longest time. It's like, I yeah. don't know. I'm a writer. I also help other writers. I want to do a podcast. <laughs> you know, you just like, I went around in circles until I realized, oh, it's a brand. Like, yeah. So I think most creatives, I wonder how maybe I'm slow on the uptake. Maybe other people know that, but do you, do you see that as like, maybe that's one of our issues is our communication is not communicating an actual brand more than like we're communicating ourselves. And sometimes I have a book and sometimes I have a new song instead of putting that under like, okay, now I have a brand. Yeah. I mean, you need an umbrella, Hmm. you know, I mean, that's really the thing is you need an umbrella and everything can 
come underneath that. It's an awkward way to think of yourself, you yeah. know? I mean, because we think of brands as McDonald's, Apple, whatever, a, a logo, you know, right. a, a store that you see in every city in the kind country. Kind of faceless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, so it's very difficult for people to think about themselves in, in that same vein, hmm. but that is essentially what we're, we're talking about, whether it's, whether you have a company um, that you've established, or if it's your name, that is your brand. And honestly, it's precious, you know, it's really, really valuable. And I think everything that, that, that I do with my clients is in respect of your name, hmm. you know, it, what is going to support the credibility and the validity and the specialness of your name. Right. And what do you share in between projects that keeps attaching people to your name? So that when they see or hear Kat Caldwell, they're like, oh, that's that's this person who who thinks about this and talks about this and then wrote this, you know, kind of thing. So it's okay. very people feel like they have a little more knowledge about you than just what it is that you sell whenever you have something to sell. That's interesting because it makes me think of on your website, you have all of the things that you do. And, you know, the testimony, it's a very well put together website. It makes me a little uh-huh. jealous. <laughs> I might be copying. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> but then I love how in your bio, you sort of make it concise. This is what I do. This is how I got into it. And then there's just a little blip of a little bit more personal information about you, how you're a crisis counselor, volunteer, you know, you're a Cubs fan. And it's just this little blip but it makes you feel like, oh, well, that's really cool. Oh, she has other, in- okay. So she's not just working all the time. There's something psychological going on there that you just think, oh, well, I know Deborah. She's a, she's a volunteer crisis counselor. <laughs> There's, there is, there is psychology to that, but it also is, you know, like not everybody does it. I personally, you know, I kind of work in a little bubble hmm. here. I don't work in an office. I haven't for decades. I work with other people who do things that I suck at. Like I don't do graphics. I can't put together presentations. So I work with people who do make things look lovely and professional and easy to read or whatever. But this is a pretty solitary kind of endeavor here. I like to give people a little something that allows us to talk beyond that. Hmm. Even though I'm an introvert, I'm a connector. Those things are not exclusive. So I, and I encourage my clients when they're, when we're putting together their bios to have at least a little something in there that can go beyond the intellectual and go a little more into an emotional connection. So you'll see, I mean, one of the standard ways of doing it, especially for authors is, you know, Kat lives in where, you know, wherever with her husband and two cats, you know, Skip and Charlie, you know, and has been eating chocolate sundaes every week for the past six months or, you know, something like that. (laughs) Just one line. It only takes that one line for people to be like, I like her writing, but I also like chocolate sundaes. So I get this. And it, and it, it's subtle. It's really subtle, but it, it, it has a resonance, you know? And so I think anytime, you know, and in the, in the broader picture, that's the kind of thing that you then amplify when you're doing your social network stuff is you take stuff like that and it doesn't, you don't have to relate everything back to your project. You can just relate it to your audience. Sure. And do you think that it's good to have like get on podcasts or work with other people with your, your other interests or your other passions in life. Like Susan and I were talking, Susan came out in December, I believe her episode came out, but she was, she really likes to advocate for animals. And so we were talking about how there's always another passion in our life. There's always something else that really gets us motivated or moved. And we want to work towards that. So as a personal brand, do you think that you should talk about that other passion, you know, I mean, we could have 50, but there's usually one that like really gets us. Do you think you should intersperse that in your personal brand or do you think you should really keep it separate? 
Well, or is that hard to say? Yes. No, I mean, I, again, I mean, I think when you're talking about branding as opposed to promoting a project, mm. you know, branding is that much more extensive thing. And I think that's where you can be uh, more authentic and share more things about okay. yourself. It's really hard to turn people off talking about caring about animals, you yeah, know, true. like, and, and, and then just kind of a little side note, you know, I, I also think that, you know, collaboration with okay. people is critical for a gazillion reasons and anything, any good work that you do that isn't directly relevant to your book or whatever it is, will still have an impact on your brand. So I always, you know, suggest, you know, have conversation. You can give somebody five minutes okay, to, to talk about something that, that may not have anything to do with your book, but you have a shared interest and maybe there's a shared thing that you can do. Love that. Okay. Now, that being said, social media, uh, you know, also has pitfalls and challenges. And so there's two things in that. One is you have to be prepared Mm. for whatever repercussions there might be to whatever it is that you share. So for example, if you have a very strong political affiliation or opinion about something, I, I, I don't like the idea of censoring anybody. Mm -hmm. And if something is super important to a client, my job is to let you know what the problems might be. And then sometimes to clean them up if possible. But you have to think about those things before you do them, especially now. And then also, if you choose to move forward with that kind of advocacy or if you're trying to educate people about something and it's controversial, you've got to have your defenses prepared because there could be a really ugly onslaught of things that, you know, so there's, there's two levels to that. I mean, I think, yes, you should always consider sharing personal information not your home address, obviously, <laughs> but, you know, again, that's how you connect with people. Right. And that's how you keep people in your sphere. True. I think you just have to know what uh, the possibilities are in sharing those things. Right. And that's where it might be good to speak with somebody with you beforehand, just because you, you might know that there's going to be backlash or whatever, whatever somebody might choose to do. I mean, in the political atmosphere, it doesn't matter what somebody's going to have an opinion that's not in alignment with yours and they're going to feel free to share it with you. So if you are going to go that way to have somebody in there in your back corner that says, Hey, I, I warned you, but this is what we can do. But going back even to your, your, your media training, you know, and not being reactive and being prepared for you know, okay, I'm going in, I'm going to do this. And I know what might happen and be prepared for that instead of reactive would probably help <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and, and you, you just mentioned one of my very favorite words, which is preparation. Mm. When it comes to, especially when we're talking about product promotion, everything operates on clocks and calendars, okay. everything. And no matter if you're doing you know, just one small element of uh, what could be a huge promotional campaign, or if you're doing 25 different things to promote something, you are operating on somebody else's clock and calendar every single time. There's so much juggling that's happening. So a prepared client is the best client. And that is like my complete obsession is and it and it's funny because it's it's usually the personality trait that creatives don't have. So I drive them batshit crazy. <laughs> like people think I am an like a type A lunatic with my focus on timing and accuracy and plans and preparation and all of that. But that's my job. Right. And 100% of the time, if you don't do it, it goes off the rails and nobody wants that. So I'm glad that you said the word preparation because really that is a super critical part of 
any of this. Yes, I think gone are the days of of allowing the crazy artists, you know. We all like to watch movies about them, but nobody wants to work for them. <laughs> you know, you got to be, we have to be willing to learn new things, you know, and maybe not, we can be crazy in our studio, but you need to show up for your appointments. You need to respond to people. You need to be prepared for your interviews. You know, all these things, it just helps you, especially in this day and age of like things are changing. And a lot of people I've worked with a couple of people who had a full career and now that things have changed, they're kind of on their own. And that's, you know, being on your own, like we've talked about it, it's a a lot of work and it's a big deal. And you don't want to get on somebody's blacklist because you didn't put it on the calendar to show up for your interview. You know, time is money. Yeah. 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 And also you just kind of, you you kind of owe it to yourself, I Mm. think, to participate in as much as you can conceivably participate in when it comes to your career. Nobody's asking you to go back to school and learn learn advertising and PR best practices. That's not it. But being able to, to force yourself to listen to me talk about that for a half hour, just to give you the basic understanding of it and then retain it, is going to make both of our lives a lot easier. And you don't, you still don't have to do anything, but just understand the part right. of your business. The other thing, the other reason that's important is if your goal is to, you know, work with a major publisher, uh, get a record deal, go on tour or something like that. You're not going to be desirable if you don't know how to do business or you're going to get super screwed in your contract. Mm. So you need to just know some basic lingo and some basic processes so that when your editor calls and starts blabbering about, you know, you know, timing of Instagram ads or something, you're like, no, I mean, it, it, it's empowering to at least have an idea of, you know, what, what you're being asked, you know, and, and so that when it happens, you're not like, Hey, what's, what's going on here? You know, I mean, we all, we all benefit from having a team for sure, but not everybody can resource that. So at least, you know, having knowledge, which can be free is a, is a good substitute. And then it's going to be a good part of how you operate within your team when you have one. Yes. I love how you use the word empowering because that just makes me think of it in a whole like turn upside down sort of way. Cause I don't, I don't know that we're really taught in high school or college or even within ourselves to, to even give ourselves the grace to realize we can learn another thing. Like you said, maybe we won't get our degree in it, but we can be involved enough to understand the business and to not get screwed but I like how you say it, it empowers you because it really does. Like if you think of it as I'm going to empower myself to understand and not be the person who's like just signs whatever contract, because let's face it, not everyone's a good person at heart. And to, just to realize to put yourself first and to treat yourself with dignity and the respect and understand some parts of it. I really like that. Like I, I think that we should encourage creatives to not be disimpassionate when it comes to the business end. We need to understand what other people are talking about because it, I mean, it, it, it will even give yourself a little more self-respect. Like, okay, I might not be a lawyer, but I know that 5% isn't very good. <laughs> you know, Like I can understand some things and advocate for yourself. I, I mean, it's not the most accurate analogy, but I mean, if you've ever been in a healthcare situation you know, and doctors are saying things to you, words that you've never heard before, but it's directly impacting you, mm-hmm. your your body, your health, you know, not, not saying that like every Google search is going to be the best one for you, but being able to ask empowered questions, educated questions, and being able to advocate for yourself in a situation like that is empowering. Like, I just, I know that 100% for everybody that it's, it's more empowering to be able to feel comfortable asking the questions and 
keep asking the questions until you understand the answer, you will leave your doctor's office feeling a little better about whatever the next thing is going to be, especially if there's going to be a next thing, like you need to be able to take care of that. Your health is much more important than your current project. You know, it is, it just is. But the analogy is that like, it's the same, it's the same thing. You want to be able to understand the basic lingo so that you can ask questions that are going to get you the answer you need to feel comfortable about a decision you might have to make or a decision that somebody wants to make for you, because all of these things are going to have a potentially long-term impact on your career. And you want to feel like you're a participant in, in that and not a you know, a victim to it, especially if it goes wrong, but, and also to be able true. to take credit for it if it goes right. True. True. Yes. That, that has me thinking in a, in a whole different way. So I appreciate that. So how, at what point do you think it, and let's talk about just like indie creatives, I guess. So everyone has their budget, but I'm trying to, at least with writers, I like to encourage them to put aside some money for editing, for a book cover you know, all these, these little things that you have to know what's coming up. So what should, maybe two part question, what should people anticipate as far as like marketing or audience development? Maybe what do you think is the right place to start for an indie creative? Like maybe they need to read some books first. Maybe they need to get, I don't know, whatever you think that is. And where should they start and how much should they maybe be thinking to set aside for, for projects that are coming up? Oh, okay. Because the umbrella of promotion is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. it can include print ads, digital ads, PR, book tours. Eventually, we'll go back to like in real life book People. tours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, promotional partnerships. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot that you can consider. I mean, mm-hmm. Basically, you could you could spend a lot of money if you wanted to. You could spend a right? ton of money, but I, I want to go back to editing and book covers okay. for one second. Yeah, <laughs> I and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. I would rather have an author spend really good money okay. on really good editing and a book cover than think they need to spend more on someone like me because. I will not be able to do my job if the book is poorly edited. Yes. And I will not be able to do my job as well if the cover is meh. Right. Or has a spelling error, which has happened. Yes. So to that end, you know, I think depending on whatever your comfort level is, putting as much into the product is the most important thing. Okay. For two reasons. One, a lot of the promotion you can do can be considered on the cheaper side. Digital advertising is the least expensive thing that you'll ever do. Okay. And it can be the most effective if you do it correctly. So you can spend, you know, maybe 40 bucks a week advertising on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and have a really good advertising campaign. And that is not expensive. Obviously, you can spend more and have more impact as well. When it comes to working with someone like me, you know, this is another place where I think education about the process and the people is really important. Okay. For some reason, and I've been doing this for 30 years and I still don't exactly know why this is, but there is this idea that a publicist retainer for one month should average somewhere between three and five grand. People just throw that number out, especially people who actually didn't study PR, but they just thought it would be kind of a sexy job. And they're like, I'm a publicist now. And they come (laughs) into it and they're like, yeah, I'm five grand a month. It's like for, you know, 30 years I've been doing this. And I think maybe a dozen times I had a workload that justified that much. Okay. I mean, we just got to be real here. So So be careful about maybe being scammed, like have educated questions. What will you be doing Always have have a verbal conversation with anybody that you work with. Verbal conversation. 100% of the time, you've 
got to know. You've got to know, especially if you're going to be paying someone. And again, it's your name, you know, right. and it's super valuable. You know, as, as someone who has a commitment to being able to help independents as much as possible, like I take those high retainer jobs so that I could be more flexible in helping independents. That has been the basis of my work from day one. If Warner Brothers is going to pay me a buttload of money to do something, and then I can charge half to a writer in Dubuque who needs an assist, I'm going to, that's why I'm doing this. So when it comes to, you know, doing PR, a lot of people will be like, just tell me what you have budgeted and I'll tell you what I'm willing to do for it. I think, you know, if you were, if you were flush with financial resources, a, a good gauge is about 1500 a month. That's a pretty hefty, that's a pretty hefty campaign that you'll get. That'll be okay. good. That should cover book touring, sending out the press release for reviews, all of that kind of stuff. And then you consider that, you know, maybe you're doing this for three to six months. That to me is kind of an average. Um, you could probably get a publicist for 500 a month to do some bare minimum stuff. It may not be the greatest, but, you know, you've, again, you've got to prioritize and, and manage really carefully. So you're still getting $500 worth of work. Right. But the other things aside from that, I mean, it's, it's so hard to suggest. What would you suggest somebody, like you say, verbal communication. So like on your website, you say, you know, you can contact you and have a conversation. What should, what should people be asking? Like if they're talking to you or anyone like you, cause you say, um, sometimes they'll say, what's your budget? And then I'll do whatever that would just make me freeze in my seat. Like, I don't know, I could throw out a number, but I don't know what, so how can we be prepared as, as independents of, of like the questions or what we should be ready to talk about in that verbal communication. Right. Just to touch on budget for a second. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows their budget. Yeah. I never, (laughs) I will never accept. I don't know as an answer when it comes to budget. I know how much money I have to spend when I go to a grocery store. I know how much I had to spend when I was looking for a car. I know what my rent is. I know I like, you know what your budget is. You know what your pain point is going to be. And if you don't know, if you honestly don't know that, do not start your work until you do, because that can get you in a tremendous amount of trouble. And you just, you gotta, you gotta get in the practice of being honest with yourself about what you're, you know, where you're at with your resources. Same with time. It's not just money. It's like time too. Like I said earlier, if, if you are only going to be on one or two social networks, I don't care. Just commit to that because you're telling me that that's the amount of time that you have. Right. So before you start talking to anybody, be honest with yourself and be like, this is how much time I have every day to do something regarding my book. This is how much money I have to, uh, and, and I would segment this. This is for my editor. This is for my book designer. This is for self-publishing, whatever it's going to be. Then this is what I have left over for sales and promotion. I'm willing to help people break down the the budget that they put to sales and promotion and be like, okay, for someone like me, it would be this much. You need to apply this much to advertising, blah, blah, blah. I can help you with that, but I can't help you if you don't have a number. If you don't have a number. And I would rather talk to you if you come to me and say, look, I know that your average monthly retainer is $1,500, but you know what? I don't have that. I have four. I have $400 that I can give you every month. I would rather know that and mm-hmm. be able to say, you know, here's what I can do if you want to work with me. Wish I could do more, but you know, we should do something, you know, or at least I can say, you know what, your $400 would be much better spent dumping it into digital ads or, you know, doing this event or sure. whatever but you're not going to be able to have an accurate, authentic conversation with someone if you do not have a solid number. So do your due diligence, know the number. Okay. 
And and don't assume that it can't that four hundred dollars can't be wisely used. I guess like don't go thinking I need five thousand to do something. So four hundred can do something. A hundred can do something. You, you know, I mean, if you if you have fifty bucks that you can use for promotion, use your fifty bucks for promotion. Nobody wants to be like out on the street because they mismanaged their book promotion. That is not the idea. So you got to kind of sweep away the, oh, I'm embarrassed because I don't have a lot of money or I'm angry that I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Screw that right now. You just accomplished writing a book and it deserves to have whatever the next possibility is for it. So if that's $400 or $4,000, all that is going to mean is you got $400 that's going to go here and you've got $4,000 that will go more places. Sure. But, you know, like you kind of have to just put the pride or whatever yeah. aside and be like, what can I do with this m- money to help support what I just accomplished? Right. Sort of own where you are. Like, absolutely. I've got this. What can I do? And the person will either accept you or tell you where to put it and just move forward with it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then the next part of the conversation, I mean, I don't mind when people say like, everybody's telling me I need PR, but I don't know what it is. What, why am I calling you? You can call me and say, why are you, why am I calling you? And I will (laughs) tell you, I will answer that question for you. And I will tell you specifically, I will tell you about PR in general, because I think people actually should understand what it is. I mean, that's really the hardest part of it is that the terminology gets thrown around quite a bit, you know, because everybody watched Sex in the City and oh, yes. Samantha, the puppy, like, and they think that's what that is, but they don't even really know because basically she's just like at fancy restaurants and parties. What is that? So I'm glad to tell you what PR actually is. And then I'm glad to tell you how it relates to your, your project. Right. I mean, and then we can start there. And then that covers the thing we talked about earlier, which is you got to know what you're doing. Right. 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 There's always a learning process to this. And I think um, we need to especially realize, A, we don't know everything and we can't do it all by ourselves. And it's good and empowering. I love that word. I'm going to start using it more to ask the questions of what you don't know and how can it help you and keep moving forward. Like whether you're starting today or you've been in business for five years, there's probably always another step, another thing we can do. I mean, maybe you have three books, but now you have $400 to spend or even $1,500 to spend. Just think of where if you invested in yourself and in your your projects, like you said, like you wrote an album or you wrote a book, like it deserves some recognition. If you can invest that in into your brand, working with someone else, just imagine, you know, you can make a leap forward instead of maybe a, a step forward. Like we have to, like you said, collaborate with other people and work with other people to keep growing and to keep getting our products in front of others. Exactly. And it is, it's, it's an investment. That's, that's exactly what it is. And once you go through the process for one thing, that's going to make it a lot easier to do it for the next one. Right. For sure. Right. And, you know, again, there's, I, I can give you suggestions for things. If you have like zero money, Like if you owe money because you wrote a book, but you still wrote the book. I mean, that's what this, like what this boils down to is honoring the fact that you did something incredible and the, the, the world deserves to know about it, but maybe 10, maybe you can only reach 10 people, whatever. Those 10 people are super lucky that they're about to find out about your book. There are things that you can do with like zero money. It's mostly like social stuff. But, you know, I can talk to you about that, too, if you don't have any money, whatever. The thing is, it, it, it almost hurts my own soul when people accomplish something and then they're like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, How yeah. do I get my album on iTunes? Oh, OK, let's let's do that. You know, how do I get my book on Amazon? Now, I will say that that's not normally what I do. That's <laughs> awful. But. If you are someone who has accomplished something that amazing and you are in debt because of it, or you 
really don't have any money to spend because this has been a most God awful year for people. Mm -hmm. I will tell you a couple of things you can do for free just to get started because you deserve that. Right. Right. Yes. And coming back to this year, I think anything that we can do to encourage or lift each other up is like, that will only help yourself, <laughs> your yeah. own soul and the world around us. So, you know, if we, I can help them put it on Amazon, we can lift each other up, you know, someone else get them on U- iTunes and then maybe they'll have a few dollars left over to learn from you. I think like, like you said, we just need to collaborate a little bit more and invest in our company, what we can, our brand, you know, to get Absolutely. it in front of people, you know, and, and, the way you just phrased all that reminded me that another really important thing to do is, um, you know, find some of these uh, Facebook groups or like off platform networking communities. And that you don't necessarily, if you're an author, I think being in, you know, a group of authors is always beneficial. But you can find networking groups for just, you know, creatives who mm-hmm. share different ways to promote. I mean, one of my favorite promotions, hands down ever, came from a situation like this where I was working with an author and a musician. And the musician put together a playlist that accompanied the plot of the book. Oh, wow. And even had like a couple songs that were like, about, you know, some of the character stuff. And so we, we promoted the book with the soundtrack basically. Amazing. And now it's a little more common. Like this was probably, I don't know, 12 years ago or so when it wasn't that common. Now, you know, publishers are actually working with record labels to have that kind of stuff done. There's creative people can mesh their energy in ways that I think like more academic people can't. Mm. the stakes are different. So there's not as many, you know, restrictions or boundaries to what you can do. So I think that, you know, one of the best free things that you can do with some of your time resource is, you know, find yourself a couple of networking groups that are both good for encouragement and motivation and accountability, as well as just, you know, on the ground information and facts and data I mean, they're, they're incredibly beneficial. Like mutual aid to me is just crucial. Yeah. That, that sounds amazing and very, very good advice for everyone. And honestly, I think we should just listen to you talk about how <laughs> lifting us up and encouraging us to get our stuff out there. Cause I think that's one of the biggest things too, is like, you just need to be reminded that what you did is great. You know, whatever it is, the painting, whatever creativity it, it is, and it deserves a step back and, you know, a little promotion and it, you, you deserve to take credit for it. And I think sometimes in this really fast paced world, we just move on to the next thing. So I love how you're reminding people, Hey, it's a big deal that you accomplished this. Like huge. Yes. I -hmm. love that. I've had such a great time talking with you. Um, I am going to put your links below Deborah Brousseau. I'll put the, the website up. It's a great website. Just technically, it's great, but I want people to go there and check it out. You have everything really kind of broken down for people, what PR is, what audience development is, all these things, you know, just sort of get those wheels that are already turning, I think, after listening to you. And and I encourage people and challenge people to start looking at themselves as a personal brand. And as like Deborah has told us, like give yourself the worthy time and your creativity that worthiness that it deserves after, you know, finishing it, or even if you're in the middle of it, like give yourself a pat on the back because it's pretty cool. To 100%. Be creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get it done. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. I was glad to be here. And I, you know, just to your listeners, art is, has always been historically since people were drawing things on cave walls, it has been our document of life. It has been hope. It's been inspiration. It has been distraction. Mm. We need, we need you. We need this. I need this. So anything that I can do to help you get that into the world, 
just, you know, go to my website, be in touch. And I'm, I'm glad to talk with you. And I was really, really glad to talk with you, Kat. It was so good to meet you like this. Yes. Thank you so much. What, and I know I kind of wrapped up the ending, but going into what you said, and I've, we've been talking and I've had such a good time talking to you that I forgot to ask you my question for 2021. I think you touched on it a little bit, but just talking about what you think creatives are or should be doing as, you know, our society seems to be having this kind of weird shift. Do you think it is just have like at least having the courage to do their creativity as you just touched on now? Or what do you think their position is in 2021 after crazy 2020? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's any different than it's ever mm. been. We, we need artists to, to help us uh, see who we yeah. are and where we are to learn about other ways of thinking and other people in other places. We need them for documentation. We need them for entertainment. So we just need your voice. Yeah. Whatever whatever it is, that's how it's always been with creatives. They they're healers, they are agitators, you know? I mean, it, it it's across we just we we need it it helps us to I think it helps us to filter and assimilate what's going on in the world in, in a different way. Right. So there is nothing wrong with being an artist who doesn't want to sell or share or whatever, if that's your mechanism for coping or entertaining yourself, do it. Yeah. That's mental wellness. Yes. Have at it. Keep doing it. That that's a really healthy mechanism for expressing who you are, even if you don't want to share it with anybody else. Right. If you want to share it with anybody else, give yourself the chance to do that. You don't have to suddenly turn into, you know, a huge business and hire employees to do that. It's just kind of a, a an accelerated development in, in your brand and yes. you're entitled to it and you deserve it. And there's people out there that will help you do that and be glad that you did it. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you again, Deborah. Thank you, Kat. Take good care. Thank you. You too. All right. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one -on -one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.